0: I'm Elizabeth Holmes, and this is The Radiant Badass, a podcast that's fueled by my passion for water cooler conversations in a virtual world. One of the many things I've been working on with my creativity coach, Chris, as I like to call him, and this is in the process of as I try to, quote, bless the largeness inside of me, no matter how I fear it. And that's a quote from the Book of Longings by Sue Kid. Good book. What we're working on is to find my voice and fill up that space with the words that live in my heart and my soul, and it is truly some of the hardest work I've ever attempted. There is so much to unpack when I even start to think about speaking my truth publicly. First of all, it sounds a little bit like a whiny millennial that I need to speak my truth and I'm going to tell you what my truth is, but I don't have other language for it. So I'm just going with speaking my truth for the moment until I come up with something that sounds a little more badass. I know I'm not alone and how fearful that makes me. As Chris has noted in my podcast, when he gives me notes, which side note, it's like thrilling and so showbiz that I'm getting notes on anything. But in my notes, Chris has noted that I will assert an opinion and then I will wrap that sucker in so much verbal bubble wrap that it couldn't possibly provoke anyone. I attempt to soften my words to not offend or upset. And it is so deeply ingrained in who I am. It's a challenge to even notice when I'm doing it. Like even when Chris pointed it out, I was like, what? And then I was like, yeah, I totally do that. And one of the weird things is he noted, I did it more in my podcast than in my blog. And that's pretty fucking interesting for this armchair psychologist, that it's easier to inhabit my voice when I'm not actually using my voice. Like sit with that shit for a second. Like Lord knows I have. Because it's my belief that I can trace back my behaviors that get in my way as an adult to behaviors I adopted as a kid to keep me safe, I picked up that thread and walked myself back in time to see if I could find a time where being pleasing started moving up as a priority. I don't think my factory settings are to be that pleasing, by the way. I think there's a lot of behavior noted in my baby book that hints that I might have arrived with an independent streak, but there's been a lot of modifications over the years that overwrote my initial settings. As I ran it back, I was hit hard by this memory from second grade. My elementary school, George C. Marshall Elementary, go generals, which actually explains my early interest in the Marshall Plan. That's kind of like destined to be a political science nerd. But anyway, the Marshall Generals instituted a program known as the Marshall Self-Manager. Until that point, I had no doubts about my place in the hierarchy of elementary school. I was in the Smarty Pants cast, and that was cemented when I was pulled out of kindergarten every day to read with the, wait for it here, first graders, since I already knew how to read. Secure in my place as teacher's pet, I was shocked to find out that the playing field was about to be leveled. As the teachers laid it out to us, we would now be awarded merits and demerits based on our behavior, our efforts in class, and there were rewards available at the end of each week if one earned enough points to be deemed a martial self-manager. It came along with a pin proclaiming you as an MSM, and that was your passport to all the benefits available to students who towed the line. And you could lord your MSM pin over the have-nots during recess. And good lord, I was motivated to be the absolute best at towing that line while kind of thrilled with the idea of getting points cuz i was already wildly competitive i needed to be the best like i couldn't just sometimes be a martial self manager i had to be a constant martial self manager and i was disheartened as well as it seemed this program opened up a whole new field of competition that would be the not-as-smart kids that's not a great look for me i know but it's the truth like second grade me was kind of snap I was obsessed with getting enough points each week to participate in the payoff on Fridays. And I had a streak going. Ice cream Sundays, ice cream bars, popcorn, special pencils. I was collecting all of the merch. And I had to hit my marks every week. Things were humming along for this MSM. Then one week, I didn't collect enough merits. I don't really know what was up with that. I mean, upon reflection, I decided that it was some sort of a conspiracy to stop my streak. But that's because I leaned toward conspiracies theories. But I do know that I got some demerits for talking after a test because I was answering a question from a classmate. Like, what was I supposed to do? Mime the answer to the question? And that's what I said to Ms. Vaughn. And she called it sassing and took away a bunch of my points, and there was no way I could crawl out of that hole that week. The devastation I felt when the Marshall self-managers left the class on Friday afternoon for whatever delight awaited them that I would never know the beauty of. That was a deep, deep feeling. And the message was, don't sass, don't speak up, don't advocate for yourself. I can see how, in the years that passed, that tiny grain of sand in the oyster that is me became encased in layer after layer of fear. Each instance of being shut down or being shamed for voicing an opinion reinforced the belief that pain is the result of using my voice. Now I see it come out in my qualification of opinions, the tempering of my language. I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want a demerit that points out that I can't manage myself. All of this is to say, I'm working on it. There is a thrill, a special thrill that runs up my spine when I give voice to my thoughts without qualifying. And I'm working on cultivating more of that. So over the course of my life, since that second grade Marshall Self-Manager, I've made a series of choices. Some would have given me merits and some would have given me many demerits. And I started to understand that collecting the demerits equated to some of the most fun, the most free I felt in my life. So the idea of circling back and collecting some of those demerits at this point in my life is pretty appealing. I'm looking forward to burning those demerits and using that as fuel for my voice. I'm interested in being able to access my voice to use it to connect to other women who have been raised or found themselves in similar situations where they weren't encouraged to use their voice. If my voice isn't worth anything, if my voice isn't worth listening to, then am I worth anything? Am I worth listening to? And the more strength I gain in my own voice, I hope to bring other women along with me Because the world is just a lot more interesting when there's a cacophony of voices at the table. This is the Radiant Badass Podcast, and I'm Elizabeth Holmes. You can find me at radiantbadass.com or on Instagram at radiantbadass. If you want to continue this conversation, find me on Clubhouse at radiantbadass. Notice the pattern? Links to all the fun stuff we talked about in today's episode can be found on our show's notes page. Thanks for joining me and thanks as always to my producer and creativity coach, Chris Martin.